We're going to read this morning from the, the book of Acts. If you'll turn to the back of your Bibles, uh, we're going to read verses um, 1 through 10 in chapter 3. Now Peter and John were going up to the, to the temple for the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. A man who was lame from birth was being carried there. He was placed each day at the temple called Beautiful, so that he could beg from those entering the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to enter the temple, he asked for money. Peter, along with John, looked straight at him and said, Look at us. So he turned to them, expecting to get something from them. But Peter said, I don't have silver or gold, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. Then, taking him by the right hand, he raised him up, and at once his feet and ankles became strong. So he jumped up and started to walk, and he entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. And the people saw him walking and praising God, and they recognized that he was the one who used to sit and beg at the beautiful gate of the temple. So they were filled with awe and astonishment at what had happened to him. The word of the Lord. Thank you. Again, you just heard Acts chapter 3. Jimmy read verse 1 through 10. Uh, We've been talking over the last couple weeks and will continue to about uh, being spirit-filled. What that means for a life, uh, for a family, for a marriage, for a church. Uh, We desire uh, to be spirit-filled. Why is that? I know for me, one reason, and I think I'll share different reasons each Sunday. I desire this church to be spirit-filled because I want to see miracles here. I want to see miracles. I want to see physical miracles, which are possible. But those aren't the greatest miracles. Uh, The greatest miracle is... Uh, The turning by the Holy Spirit, not by us, of a heart to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. The raising of a soul whose heart's been turned one day to heaven. And ultimately the raising of our very bodies. And that's not my opinion. All of that is what Scripture said. Uh, That is the greatest miracle. And those of us who are in great need... And that can be all of us, or it may be someone in particular today. The greatest miracle is always possible at any moment, uh, at any time, by the power of the Holy Spirit. We talk about, uh, we have talked about for years here, raising leaders. And over the last week, I saw that uh, I'd made a mistake. And that happens pretty frequently, okay? But I'd made a mistake over the years in just saying raising leaders. I should have added a word to that. Raising unlikely leaders. Because often, especially, you know, in church, the raising leaders, uh, we can be, and I can be this too, the, you know, yes, please, that's me. Thank you. Can I, uh, I'll take that. Leader here. The unlikely leader is that person, that man or woman uh, or youth who really, and he may not or she may not share it, really doesn't think that they could ever, like, be a leader. They could not do great things, grow 
different places for Christ. They don't just see themselves as that. And that has happened over the, over the life of this church and through the life of the church in history. But I'm going to say that more and more again. We want to raise unlikely leaders. Uh, people who, uh, because of maybe their past, because of things they've done, uh, maybe because of their mentality, maybe they have a, just a general low self-esteem, that, that is something that occurs, just doesn't really believe in themselves, uh, the pressures of the world, nobody's believing in them. Well, Jesus Christ does. He believed in Peter, he believed in John, he believes in you. And there are many, many more unlikely leaders for Christ here. And it begins when a heart is changed by the Holy Spirit, and the soul is changed, and ultimately the body is changed. I think everybody... We, I was given a phrase that I, well, I was thinking about it this week, a phrase that I love, have loved over the years, skid row thug, skid row thug. Uh, I love, we love seeing a person who, you know, might look to be a skid row thug come to Christ. Amen? Come on. I like that, you know. I mean, it's just the, the look, the feel of that, man, it's a great story. I think that before our hearts turn to Christ, all hearts are like skid row thugs in rebellion. It's not my opinion either. That's what the Bible says. In rebellion. And when the Holy Spirit comes upon a heart, an individual heart, and that heart becomes spirit-filled, that skid row thug heart becomes not only spirit-filled, but willing to be a servant for Christ and take a servant's role. Uh, And that heart that was thuggish I believe it becomes like thunder. Thunder. We may not always hear it, but it thunders inside of us. You know, John mentioned in that passage, James and John were called sons of thunder. I love that. So a skid row thug heart turned into a spirit-filled, servant role, thunderous heart. That's the greatest miracle. And that can happen this morning, anytime. Not by you, not by me, not by preaching, teaching, singing, but by the Holy Spirit. That's what I desire to see. Miracles. So the passage that we just read, Acts 3, describes a physical miracle. Physical miracle. And so I just want to kind of do a recap for us over this passage. Peter and John, over the past few weeks we've talked about the Holy Spirit coming down in full. We've talked about the church being born. We've talked about tongues of fire, tongues of other languages, all this supernatural stuff. And now Peter and John are going to the temple to pray. Still praying. And by the way, at this point, they still consider themselves Jewish. Now, I don't know if we have anybody who's Jewish here. I'd love if we did. I don't know if we had anybody here with a Jewish background But as we go through Acts, initially, all the disciples really believed they were Jewish first and then Christians. And so they kept holding to these Jewish traditions. So, and this is a little little answer to where we get Sunday night evening services, even though we don't do them here. The Jewish tradition that you would go to the temple to pray three times a day, morning, afternoon, evening. And there would be a morning and evening worship which is one of the ways the church carried on that tradition, Sunday morning, Sunday evening services. So they were going to pray three times a day, and so this was the time 
that traditionally they had known to go and pray at the temple, which was Jewish. Even though they had Jesus, they were Christians. They still carried on this tradition, and they were going to pray to the Lord, whom they had seen as Jesus. So they believed everything in the Old Testament. They believed the Messiah had come. And there at the beautiful gate, Luke, who wrote Acts, describes the beautiful gate, which supposedly, and I've never been to Jerusalem, but it's gone now, but that it was very beautiful, that it was just magnificent. Uh, Apparently also this was around the place where merchants gathered to trade and money changers and where Jesus overturned the tables, if you remember that Sunday school story. So that was right there. And where there's a lot of money and where a church is, well, that's where people who need money and the crippled and the lame come. Y'all tracking with me there? Does that make sense? Still happens today, right? Combination of money and church, those in need come. And so this crippled, lame person was there. Now, that's not trying to disparage them. That's just how it is. As I was reading over this passage, I thought back to a couple years ago. And some of y'all will remember this, uh, particularly Chris, Chris Kellamer, the elder, Jill Bowden. She was serving, working at the church then. But there was this couple in a wheelchair back when we had an office down near Cups in Fondren. And this couple in a wheelchair, and the Lord just brought them to mind. They would, they would show up all the time down in that office, or, well, all the time, I don't know, five, six times. And the husband was pushing the wife, and no you know, medical care. And, I mean, they just, they just roamed the streets. I mean, looked really, really bad. Had her, I don't know, I'm no doctor, you know, a thingamajig, you know, trying to get some type of medical care and just had nothing, and they'd, they'd always show up. And I think first we may have given them some money, so then they showed up again. I mean, that's, you know, how it usually works. And then we started giving them T-shirts, some of our church T-shirts. We had some Bellwether T-shirts. And then we'd have members say, man, I saw this, this couple with Bellwether T-shirts, you know, going down, actually going down the interstate. Okay? And we'd give them some food. We'd always pray with them. Uh, well, I say this, and I, I do, I hope and believe and pray this is a, a powerful testimony for the Holy Spirit's work in their life because they, uh, they actually died. I got hit by a car. And it was, uh, it was very moving, for me at least, for us. I remember hearing about it. And kept going back. Well, maybe we did a little, little something to point them to the way where they're totally healed now in glory. I'm believing for that. I'm believing I'll see him in glory. But uh, my point is, you you never know what impact you make, and there are always needy people, and these needy people show up around churches. And sometimes, like this guy, they think their primary need is some financial aid, but their primary need that we know is the greatest miracle, which is a turn and change of the heart, and which we at least, as people, can point them to. I mean, and it happens here all the time, Still, we'll have walk-ins Thursday morning. Uh, I showed up early, and guy drove up, you know, need some gas. So I went out and bought him some gas over here, five bucks, and went in to Chevron. I was like, man, don't help that guy. He's asking. All, he's been around here all the time. I was like, well, give him five bucks of gas, and I'd seen him and, and talked to him and prayed with him before. So you got to believe that it makes 
a small impact and that we are to, uh, we can love and care in a small way. So these folks still come, and they're still, as we all are, uh, confused about what's most important. Because we can still look like we got it together, but we're still like, hey, need some money. Rich or poor would be like, hey, I need some, got to put food on the table, got to pay the bills. So Peter says, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have is spirit-filled power flowing through him. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. And a physical miracle happened, and I love imagining this, like the, he probably never, walk, he never walked in his life, and these bones and joints were miraculously melded together by the Holy Spirit. And he praised God, and he jumped up, and he's leaping. I mean, can you imagine ever walking before and seeing people walk, and then all of a sudden, healing? And he praised God, and everybody else was just, it says, in awe and astonishment at what had happened to him. A physical miracle. So, if I were you, and as I was reading over this over the week, uh, I had some questions about miracles, about physical miracles. And if I were you, uh, I, I might have uh, these same questions. So I want to talk about miracles today. So what is, first, what is a miracle? What is a miracle? Uh, I think one of the best definitions I've heard of a miracle uh, was given by C.S. Lewis, whom I like. Put it up on screen. He said, a miracle is an interference in nature... By a supernatural power. I like that. I think it's simple. An interference in what is natural by what is supernatural. And also why I say the greatest miracle is the turn and change of a heart by the Holy Spirit. Because our hearts are natural. And the Bible says our hearts are by nature sinful. And so by nature on our own we can't go to God or even be saved on our own, a supernatural force has to interfere, invade, inhabit our hearts and our lives. And that is, again, the greatest miracle. Matthew 19, 26, Jesus said, With man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. I love that verse because you can take the most broken, bitter, unforgiving heart. And a lot of those walk into churches in the morning. And by nature, by nature we can't forgive. By nature we can't let go of bitterness. By by nature we can't get the joy that we want. But with God it is possible. And that supernatural power fills us. So a miracle is is this interference in something natural by something supernatural. Spirit filled. I would have this question. Do physical miracles happen today? Physical miracles. Bones, joints, healings. Yes. I believe they do. I believe we talk about Holy Spirit filled. Holy Spirit can do anything, anytime. As God, God can do anything at any time. Uh, We pray for physical miracles. We have in the past. 
Uh, I pray for physical miracles now. I hope you pray for physical miracles. Uh, I want to stand here and say I, I believe that can happen. Cancer can be wiped out. Sickness can be wiped out. Uh, things can happen. God can do anything at any time. I want you to believe that. I want us to believe in that. We believe in the Bible. 1 Corinthians 12 talks about the gifts given. And one of the gifts given, I think it's verse 9, the gift of healing. So, you ask, like, is a physical miracle possible? Yes. Yes, it is possible. Now, another question. Are physical miracles, listen up, are physical miracles the primary ministry of Jesus? No. As much as we might wish they were. Because we want life, liberty, happiness in this life. They're not the primary ministry of Jesus. Physical healings. I mean, if they were, during Jesus' earthly life, I mean, then all of the Middle East should have been cured of sicknesses and diseases and just, you know, wiped out. And that's not the case. The Bible records many of Jesus' physical miracles, but the primary focus of his life, of his, his teaching... His ministry was not physical miracles. And even with his disciples, there's a, there's a verse, end of 2 Timothy, one of the last things Paul wrote, 2 Timothy 4.20, where he says, and this is Paul who has raised people from the dead in Acts, as we'll see. And he says, hey, I left this guy Trophaz at this place because he was sick. So Paul, who'd raised people from the dead, could not heal this brother who was sick. I say that because we are praying for uh, healings often in life as Christians, because we love people. Um, we don't want them to be sick. We don't want them to die. And, and often they remain sick, and often they die. So another question I would have for you is then, okay, so if they're possible... But they're not the primary ministry, then why do we not see more of them? And, and you may not have that question. You may say, man, I see them all the time. But I won't talk to you if you do, okay? Tell me all your stories. I don't see them all the time. Uh, I don't know. Maybe that's a, that shows a weakness, I don't know, of my Christian life, prayer life. I don't know. But I don't, I'm not seeing physical miracles, like, all the time. So why do we not see more physical miracles? I would sum it up like this. It's God's plan. I trust in God's plan. God knows. God knows things that I don't know, and he knows best. And knowing that, and it's not an opinion, it's what I see from daily and yearly going through Scripture. God knows best, and I trust God's plan. I'll give you a little example of this just this week, okay? Talking about miracles, so my son Jack... Uh, he's big into swim right now. He's big into baseball right now. So we're swimming and we're playing baseball. I call him my swimming slugger or my slugging swimmer, one or the other, okay? And, man, he has worked so hard with swim. I'm going to brag on a little bit. He's worked so hard at swim that he, um, he qualified for seven state uh, meet or state meet. He qualified for seven races, events, and the max is you can qualify for is seven. So he's busted his tail over the last couple months 
working hard. He wanted to hit the goal, qualify for seven events, got it in the bag. We were fired up, going down next weekend for the state meet. And then uh, Wednesday night, we had our, uh, we had our equipped Bible study, and I, I ran out to pick him up from baseball practice. And had this, he's, he's hitting, and this, I've seen it happen often in watching big league ball. Uh, but took a cut, pitch went inside, you know, he's holding the bat tight, hit his hand right here, the ball hit his hand, and fractured his, right under his, his index finger right here. Fractured. So he came out, and he's like, man, I hurt my hand, but I'm shaking it off. Then I saw the swelling. It's like, oh, my God. You know, I'm like, dude. So I started praying for healing right, right then. <laughs> swelling go down, please. You know, I mean, I'm thinking, I mean, I'm thinking lots of thoughts. I mean, I'm like, I'm not, I'm not praying that the Lord heal me for bitterness because they should not have been practicing that night, and the coaches had some kid who couldn't pitch and threw it at him, and, you know, but I'm praying to be healed, but I need to be praying for my own bitterness and unforgiving heart. So, go the next morning, uh, I, I text two brothers on the team, um, y'all, some of y'all know, Steve Potter, Henry Burkhalter, their kids are on the team, they're prayer warriors, we pray for our kids, and I'm like, man, this happened to Jack, hey, we're praying now. And one of the texts I got, Steve uh, texted, you know, God miraculously heal his hand, and so took him to the doctor that morning, we're praying, we're praying, and um, came back, it's a fracture, you know, fracture. So, the good news was he's just out three weeks, but the state swim meet, done. You know, worked all hard, and just can't, he's not going to be able to do it. doctor said, you know, I'd, now, he doesn't have a cast. I was like, why don't he just do it? He doesn't have a cast. He can just take the sling off or whatever. doctor said, no. Uh, I was like, well, I'd do it. I was like, well, you know. But <laughs> it's wise. He wanted him to heal. So, I'm thinking like, I'm also thinking about physical miracles. Lord, we prayed. You know, man, we prayed. We started praying. You didn't do, I mean, you could have done that. I mean, I believe you could have done that. Why? And the, the Lord told me. He's like, you know, it's my plan. So in my mind, I'm thinking, well, yeah. You know, I think there are things we don't see. I mean, my wife and Jack could have been driving to the coast to swim meet and had a wreck. I could have taken the other two kids up to uh, New Albany because I love, you know, just having kids by myself without my wife, you know. Okay. <laughs> Could have taken them up next weekend and had a wreck or something. I mean, we don't know. But that did come to mind. It's like, you know, like, you know, what we want, I mean, God just, God sees everything in such a bigger picture. So I trust. I trust this builds character. I trust, you know, I trust God's plan. So then, if we don't see him as much as we want, what do physical miracles point to? If they can happen... If they're very real, and the Bible says they are, and I believe they can happen now. But if they're not Jesus' primary ministry focus, then what are, what are they pointing to? What's, what's the reason for it? And I would say this. They point to the coming glory, fulfillment of the kingdom of God, like the real kingdom of God, heaven and earth united, where everybody's healed, where everybody has... Uh, the body you most desire, you desire today, that there is no sickness, no death, no blindness, no mute, no, uh, no autism, no all of that, no cancer. They point to a coming day. Put up the verse, Isaiah 35, 5 through 6. Isaiah 
Old Testament had a glimpse of the coming kingdom of God. Isaiah is a wonderful, beautiful book in the Bible. I'm not claiming to understand it because he pointed so much to what would come. This is just one, uh, two verses. It says, The eyes of the blind will be open, the ears of the deaf, un- deaf unstopped. The lame will leap, I love that leap like a deer, and the tongue of the mute will sing for joy. The Bible says that one day that will be the full eternal reality. No sickness, no death. Acts tells us that that process has already begun when the Spirit came down. Acts tells us that disability, and we all have them, has already begun to move to ability because of the Holy Spirit's fullness. It's not yet fully realized, which that passage talks about, but it is coming and it has begun. The Bible tells us that with Jesus' resurrection, with the Holy Spirit coming down. So the physical miracles that we get glimpses of, both in Scripture and in our lives today, are glimpses of what is to come in this future reality, world, eternity. Heavens and the earth unite. You know, another story uh, that really keeps me both... uh, Pursuing God, directed to God, humble to God, also um, praying to God, yelling at God, frustrated at God, is um, my other son, Logan, who has autism. You know, I just like, like I just want to have a conversation with him. And, you know, we don't talk about this a lot in our family, but our desire, we just want to talk, like, just talk, like just conversation. Like. And he can't do that. His mind is like, his mind's not crazy at all. I think his mind's brilliant. But his mind just totally is on a, it's not even a different chapter, a different book. And so I've had to learn more than I ever wished about special needs and autism and like, you know, and praying to God. And, you know, fun fact for you, 85% of... Uh, Special needs marriages end up in divorce. Boy, it's encouraging for us. We looked at that, and we realize it. I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff. So my desire and my dream is is to talk to him, like like a normal conversation. Now, so I imagine the coming day when like we have a conversation, and maybe that will physically happen in this world, in this life, and. Or it may not. I mean, I don't know. I know I will one day. You know, I look forward to the day, you know, where he says, says you, know, you know, you're a good dad. You know, you never sacrifice me for your ministry or church. You know? So, it's what I want. And I know that there will come a day where that will happen. And it might happen before then, and physical miracles are possible. But... And I say that because it points to a coming kingdom, but I, but, I, but I know y'all, and I hurt with some of y'all who have, like, real sickness and, like, real pain and, like, like physical ailments that are just not getting healed and loved ones who've died too, too young, you know, in our, in our minds. I know. We know. It points to a coming day when that will all be wiped out because of Jesus' blood on the cross. And it can happen anytime, and we pray for that. 
So then, let's back to this story. What's the point of this story? If the point of, of miracles is to see the coming kingdom of God, here we get one, the story. You know, what's the point of this? Because you're like, okay, crippled guy healed, that's great. I think the purpose of this for us, the purpose for you, is to show us, show us the one who did and does what we cannot do. Say it again. The one who did on the cross and does now by the Holy Spirit what we cannot do. And it keys in on verse 6. Peter said, I don't have silver and gold, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Jesus Christ, Lord of all, Nazareth, a human city that's real. God becoming flesh. Get up and walk. Get up and walk. See, the greatest miracle cannot happen on our own. The greatest miracle is the getting up, is the rising, and walking. And I'm not talking about crippled physically. I think just about all of us can walk. I'm talking about being crippled spiritually, being lame spiritual, spiritually. And the greatest miracle is going back to that change of a heart, of a soul, of a body. And so the purpose of this story is to show us the one who works the greatest miracles from internal to external can happen anytime and all the time. First, the heart, real quick. I mean, often we think, well, I just, you know, I just need to decide uh, if I'm saved or I just need to decide whether to go to church or, you know, I just need to decide if Jesus is my Lord and Savior. No, you don't. I'm not saying you don't have to decide. I'm saying that's not, that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says God comes upon you and you're so moved and your heart is so melted that you are drawn to him. John 6, put that verse up there. John 6, No one can come to me, and this is Jesus talking, unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. Again, the point of this is to show the one who did the work on the cross, and does now draw you, drew me without even me realizing, and in my conceited and broken and sinful self. So, oh yeah, that was me. I did it all the time. You know, I, I walked down the aisle. I, you know, I, I did the deal. I became a Christian. God, it was all God. It was all God drawing me. It's all God drawing you. It's all God. I mean, you're here because God led you here. And you may be like, well, I didn't have anything better to do. It's kind of, you know, you know, you come up. No, God drew you through very uh, broken means and sometimes broken people and broken plans. God's at work. And it's all God all the time. So the only reason a heart has changed or moved or turned is God did it. And in my conceit, I was like, oh, I did it. No, I did not. God draws the heart. A song we sang, or I forget which one it sang, but it, uh, it basically quoted another verse, John 8. I forget the verse, John 8. But he said, if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Not like me setting myself free or me, you know, unlocking the chains. No, if the Son, the Bible says, if the Son sets you free, you are free indeed. We don't set ourselves free. I mean, I love picking yourself up by the bootstraps, American dream. That's not Christianity. Just by the way, Christianity is our hearts are by nature dead. And they are given life. Grace, it's called. The gift. And it 
comes inside you. And so then we thank God, like, man, thank God that it, it came inside. Thank God he drew me. Thank God, I'm, thank God that what he's done in my life, the heart, the soul. What we cannot do, he has done, and he does. The soul, the turn of the heart is the first step in the turn of the soul, the rising, the getting up of the soul from death to life, both in our earthly life and in the life to come. I read a, a short story to Logan. Um, well, not a short story, it was, uh, but it's a short story, I promise. To Logan, though, uh, it is the, it's the silver chair. Anybody ever read the silver chair? It's book four, a couple hand book four, Chronicles of Narnia, we're reading through them. And in the silver chair, there's this beautiful depiction of the soul's rising. You know, we always think, what happens, you know, when we die? What, what happens when Christians die? Well, it goes to heaven. I'm like, what's it like? What happens? And the, one of the reasons I love C.S. Lewis is it is fiction, but he was very much this, this Christian who, like, put images to things that we wonder about. And so in the silver chair, there's the dad whose name is King Caspian. He was Prince Caspian in book two, so this is giving nothing away. But Prince Caspian becomes King Caspian. And his son, Prince Rillian, is kidnapped by the Emerald Witch. Okay, giving you a little details. It's real exciting. She turns into a snake and all this. It's kind of, anyway, <laughs> Prince Rillian, all he wants to do is see his dad. See his dad. And his dad, all he wants to do is see his son, who was kidnapped. And Caspian goes to the ends of the earth on his, on his uh, sailboat looking for him. Doesn't find him. Rillian is rescued, and so as King Caspian, the father, is coming home, uh, he's old, he's about to die, and Rillian, his son, is rescued, um, and the ship comes into the harbor, and they have to bring the father out, he's on a stretcher, and his son, they're able to whisper a few things and touch, and then the father dies. And so they got to see each other. They got to exchange a few words. But then the king, the father, is dead. Now, Aslan is there. And Aslan is the figure of Christ as the lion. And so then the, uh, the earthly kid, Eustace, who helped save Rillian, Aslan takes him to a place that is like heaven. Okay, And so it's Aslan and the kid who's about to go back to home. And he doesn't want to go anymore. But he's in this place like heaven. And there is... There is the old king, and they put the old king, and I love this. I mean, it's so, I'll just hear it. Puts him in like a little stream, and his whole body looks old, you know, long white beard. Old, old. Puts him in the stream of water. And then Aslan tells Eustace to go get that thorn off the tree and cut me. I don't want to cut you, Aslan. He's like, yes, the thorn, crown of thorns, cut me. So he does it. And then he cuts him on his paw, and then Aslan reaches over his paw into the water, baptism, by the way, and lets a drop of blood drop into the water. And once the drop goes into the water, the blood, all of a sudden, the dad, King Caspian, starts going from white to gray to that great, youthful, exuberant body, and he rises up out of the water... And, and rejoices, rejoices, being with Aslan in this new world, new body. And maybe that's not exactly the way it happens, but it did exactly happen. The blood of Christ 
saves us, and in baptism, we're raised up and made new, and that's the greatest miracle. Amen? Amen. And so the last thing is that the soul rises, and then one day the body will rise. Point is the new heavens, the, the new earth. You will have the Mac Daddy body that you wanted. You will have the beautiful body that you, we wanted. Yeah, it's kind of scary, Moody. But anyway, <laughs> you will we'll have it. New heavens and new earth. And the greatest miracle, it starts in the heart. So, question it, man, are you, are you in a great need today? Because I, I think many of you are. I mean, you're not going to admit it, but you are. I mean, the greatest miracle is here. The Holy Spirit. God has drawn you here. God is waiting and able to give that grace. You're like, well, how do I just man, say, like, man, I'm... Well, let me give you a hymn by Charles Wesley. Charles Wesley, brother John Wesley. He's a great hymn writer, but uh, I don't know if this talks about you, if, this, if you recognize yourself in this. I recognize myself. Long my imprisoned spirit lay... Ever felt like you're in prison? Fast bound in sin and nature's night. There's that word again, nature. Yet thine eye diffused a quickening ray. God gave a ray of light. I awoke. The dungeon flowed with light. My chains fell off. He didn't unlock them. He didn't grab the axe and break them. My chains fell off. My heart was free. I rose. There's that get up. Went forth and followed thee. I don't know where you are today, uh, but I know that we're all in need. We're all in need of renewal. Sometimes we're in need of that new life. Uh, That greatest miracle, it's... God's drawn you here. God's there for you. And as we get ready to take communion, I'm going to ask everybody to start coming up. Everybody start coming up. Everybody start coming up. Okay. As we get ready, as we get ready, I want you to think about that need and think about that greatest miracle of that change, that turn of heart that the supernatural invades Nature. A natural heart is made, is prone to sin. The biggest sin that we often do is, let me, let me hit this, let me make sure you hear this, is, is unforgiveness. Remind you all of anything? Somebody who has hurt you, somebody who has stabbed you in the back, somebody you have bitterness towards, unforgiveness. By nature, our hearts cannot forgive. But with the supernatural power and work of the Holy Spirit it is possible I don't want as pastor of this church any member or any visitor wrestling with unforgiveness or bitterness uh, one of my main prayers each Sunday morning before coming up here is God push, push away any unforgiveness because that's possible any bitterness because that's possible I don't, I don't want anything that is of nature flowing in my heart but I want it invaded by the Holy Spirit so wherever you are Whatever great need it is, and it is that you've got, the greatest miracle is, I mean, it's evident in Scripture, but it's right here in our midst. Jesus Christ, 
forgave me and you. His blood on the cross saves. We, just like that crippled man, are crippled in unforgiveness and bitterness and selfish desires. And in the baptism of life, when we believe in him and turn and trust him by the Holy Spirit, we are raised up in new life. So I urge you, I encourage you to use this time of communion for your hearts and to look to Jesus. We're going to pray and then we'll take communion together. Heavenly Father, Heavenly Father, just help us, help us turn to you. Help us to turn to you and knowing that you led us here, that you brought us here, that you brought us to you. Um, there is such, there is such hardness of heart in the world. And just, God, just let us turn to you, Jesus. Look at the cross and make us soft, make us whole, make us holy. Because we have to turn to you for for yes, your blood that saves us and your and the water that that renews us. So do your work now for these your people in Jesus' name. Amen.